the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, we are excited about exploring the Word, going through the Bible, finding answers, looking at things that maybe we'd never noticed before after studying it many times. But can I give you the real reason we do this? So you can know God through Jesus mm. Christ. That is the purpose. It's not so you'll have more Bible knowledge, although that's good. It's, uh, it's, it really isn't. It's about knowing the God of the Bible. And so we, we want to make sure you know that, that that you can, I, I mean, the Pharisees and Nicodemus, those guys, they knew a lot of the Bible, but Jesus let them know, hey, are you a teacher of the Word and not know this? And so, Alex, uh, we want to know Jesus. That's, 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 <laughs> the, that's the goal, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, we're going to go through a scripture today. If you are in a position where you can get the Bible and follow along with us, we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter 5 in the New Testament, Second Corinthians. This is a, a special pre-recorded show because uh, either Bert or myself or both of us maybe are probably on the road traveling. But, um, Bert, we're going to talk about reconciliation. And like you say, we want people to know God. We are doing this because the greatest thing that could ever happen to anybody, in fact, the most important thing, the most significant, crucial, critical, vital thing in life is that you would have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll, we'll talk about that. But, uh, Bert, um, I want to call this message today Life's Four Essential Reconciliations. And from Second Corinthians 5, we'll look at what God has to say about reconciliation. Amen. Now, when you say essential, necessary, absolute, not uh, just a multiple choice, not at your choosing, essential yeah. sounds like that's really important, Alex. Vital, <laughs> non-negotiable, <laughs> mandatory, uh, yeah. yes. Hey, you know, Bert, um, Angie and I love uh, movies, well, good movies, that is, you know. And I was reading an article about over the last, you know, I suppose 100 years because movies have been around a century. But the, the movies that have been the most successful and the most, um, you know, kind of beloved and they really become kind of part of the, the cultural uh, mindset, like uh, I know you and I, one of our favorite movies is It's a Wonderful Life. Right. And then there's, you know, been so many others I could name. But the movies that have have had the longest lifespan and become just the most beloved have something to do with relationships restored or reconciliation. Or pe people were estranged and they get reunited and brought back together. Reconciliation is a theme of our most beloved movies. And I think it's it's worth noting that reconciliation is, is a big theme in Scripture. And so we're going to talk about some of these that are just very vital. But um, could we let's read a little bit, if we could, to sort of set the foundation for this from Second uh, Corinthians five. Uh, let's begin at verse fourteen. Do you do you happen to have? I that have that, and I'm reading from the New King James, as I usually do. Verse fourteen: For the love of Christ constrains us, because we judge thus that if God died for all, then all died, and He died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, 
but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now know him, thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and is committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For Mm. he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When I read that, I'm just overwhelmed, I really am, of the love of God. Mm. I'm telling you, this is so powerful. Why do we live for the Lord? Well, verse 14 says, the love of Christ compels us or constrains us, and we live for the one who gave his life for us. Uh, And Bert, um, I want to look at verse 16 for a second. It says, um, wherefore henceforth we no longer know any man after the flesh. Now, what does that mean, the way the old King James renders it? Um, We're not looking at the people around us just from a human perspective anymore because the the word reconcile can be it can mean restored to something or rejoined with you know like maybe people that were enemies got reconciled and now they're friends okay but do you know what one of the meanings of reconciliation means to change places okay look we were God's enemy now we're his forgiven children. We did not know God. Now we do know the Lord. We were afraid and fearful and lonely. Now we're confident and fulfilled. Bert, isn't it a wonderful thing when it's us to God in so many ways? We've changed places, and I think perhaps that's why Second Corinthians 5.17 says we're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, we're going to lay out four areas that you need reconciliation, and in fact, I would say it's just vital. But Bert, isn't it a beautiful thing that um, to be rejoined to God, to be restored in our walk with God, and hopefully restored in our relationships with others, um, in many ways, praise the Lord, we have changed places. Amen. He took our place on the cross. Uh, He who knew no sin, that's what it says, Uh, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He took our place on the cross so we could take a place with him in heaven. We didn't change places as far as him being in heaven, but he made a way for us. And so uh, the reconciliation, let me ask this, and, and if you answer it later on, you can just say, well, answer that later on. But why in the world is reconciliation so important? Does it mean that there's a distance, there's a barrier that has to be overcome? Is uh, is that 
the reason why reconciliation must take place? Well, yeah, it, it is. I mean, reconciliation is so important, for one thing, because we serve a, a merciful God, and He loves us, and He loves us not just to leave us to die lost, but for uh, Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, Your sins have separated between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For one thing, being reconciled to God, and we're going to get to this in a moment, whether you know it or not, your sin is very serious. And until you have a born-again relationship with Jesus, you and God are not reconciled yet. Well, Alex, let me interrupt you here just a second about sin. Has sin become so commonplace in our, and and I'm going to say our our culture in America, that we don't think it's so bad? Well, everybody sins. I sin, you sin, we all sin. So what's the big deal about sin? Well, I've heard people actually say that. I see a lot of people living that, you know? I'm going to throw out a cliche, I suppose, a cliche. (laughs) Uh, Right is still right, even if nobody does it. Wrong is still wrong, even if everybody does it. And you know what? The world might have gotten comfortable with sin, but God hasn't. And uh, I want to say we need to be reconciled, and and we're going to come to this, reconciled to what the Scripture says, uh, because God is the author of Scripture, and it's truth. Whatever what people want, I mean, people want to be fulfilled. People want to feel like their life is in, in order. People, you know, psychologists have this term, cognitive dissonance. When we're all in a turmoil inside, we cannot exist forever in a state of cognitive dissonance, you'll either have to come to a a crossroad where you turn your life to the Lord or you'll die of stomach ulcers, maybe. I don't know. But here's the thing. All that, you you could say peace, feeling at peace or fulfilled or you've got purpose or this joy that has been so elusive, you're going to find it if you'll allow yourself to be reconciled as God lays it out. So let let me put some of these in place. Four important, and I would argue essential reconciliations. Number one, you need to be, as we're saying, you need to be reconciled to God. Like verse 20 says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is life's most fundamental, absolutely necessary. In fact, I would say you're never going to get the other things truly sorted out if you haven't addressed this most key relationship where you stand with God. Well, when you say that, Alex, God wants this reconciliation. He is not desiring you to stay away. He is pursuing you. Someone even says he's the hound of heaven looking. And I want to just tell you, this reconciliation is possible because God is the initiator of the reconciliation. No man can come to the Father except God draw him. So this reconciliation is God-initiated, isn't it? Well, it is. And you think about that. God was the offended party. We had sinned against God, and yet there in the Garden of Eden, he comes calling out, Adam, where are you? Isn't that something? Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been said, you know, always be quick to give or receive an olive branch. If you, um, if if somebody has hurt you, be willing to try to reach out and forgive them. And my goodness, uh, if they come to you 
trying to make reconciliation. Don't give somebody the brush off or the cold shoulder. Or Because I'll tell you, there, there have been times when I had to go apologize to people. And there have been a time or two when people came to apologize to me. And I will say this, to to come and want to make right, it, it takes courage, doesn't it? It really does. And, and this is the courage that God will give. He gives you what you need at such a time. And, and so this is the whole idea of reconciliation with God, that God saw us where we are, where we would be, and his desire was for us to be with him. That is the whole idea. He brings us. These are two R's. This is the reconciliation that brings us into this relationship. And this relationship is God as our Father, God as our Lord. He is one. So as Alex has said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, be reconciled to God. That's our desire for you, wherever you are or wherever you may be. We'll be back with more right after this break. This is Frank Evney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Our new best-selling book, The Indictment, describes how our captured elites are selling out America to the Chinese Communist Party and must be prosecuted, at a minimum, in the court of public opinion. Look no further than what went down Wednesday in San Francisco. First, CCP dictator Xi Jinping met for hours with President Biden, a man who career CIA spy Sam Fattis correctly observes works for the Chinese Communists. Then Xi dined with 400 of his captured leaders among this country's elite businesses. A bipartisan Blue Ribbon Commission confirmed this week that Emperor Xi is readying his country and its military for a shooting war with us. Those helping them aren't simply corrupt, useful idiots putting personal enrichment over our national security. They're providing aid and comfort to our mortal enemy, the definition of treason, and must be treated accordingly. This is Frank Gaffney. You know, one of the most significant men in human history is George Washington. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. In fact, the argument could be made that George Washington was the most significant figure in the last 1,000 years on planet Earth. Why? Because without George Washington, there would be no United States of America. We're going to visit the home of George Washington, Mount Vernon, when we go in June and September to see Washington, D.C., including Mount Vernon. We're also going to Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown as well. So information on these tours is available at the following website, spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, June and September, you choose which one, spiritualheritagetours.com for all the information, and we'd love to have you join us. When we recite the Lord's Prayer, we pray for God's kingdom to come. Dr. Tony Evans says the prayer also explains how that can happen. So why isn't the world more kingdom-like? We'll find out today as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you merge onto a highway, the traffic is going in a particular direction. There is an adjustment no matter what the size of your vehicle happens to be. You must adjust to where the traffic is headed. If you try to go your own way, you are creating a disaster. God is going somewhere. 
and where he is going is the building of his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. And what God is asking you to do is to merge into where he's going. And the way that you merge into his kingdom program is prioritizing his will over yours. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way you get to see his kingdom is by surrendering to his will. If you're praying for his kingdom, but you're not willing to be surrendered to his will, then you don't get the kingdom part because he didn't get the will part. Thy kingdom come, and the way that will happen is thy will is being done, which means if I want heaven on earth, then I must be willing to submit to his will on earth so that heaven is free to make its presence on earth. Learn more principles that can get you connected with God and his power. Check out Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell the world of Christ. May our lives speak the message of His mercy. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so honored that you're with us. We're in 2 Corinthians 5. We're talking about life's four essential reconciliations. You know, Bert, um, when people come back together or maybe people were estranged, uh, it's moving. It's a beautiful thing. And hey, I'm going to tell you, as a kid, you know, going to see Lassie come home, Uh, You know, that put a tear in my little eyes, you know, because it is a beautiful thing. Now, think about it, folks. Why do do reconciliations move us emotionally? Because maybe deep in our heart, we're aware of the fact that we are in a reconciliation story right now. And the Bible says that, that God in Christ, was reconciling the world to himself. That's 2 Corinthians 5.19. By the way, I just want to say this. Point number one, you need to be reconciled to God. Bert, you and I have had callers once in a while, and they've said, you know, I just don't know if God could save me. I've, I've held God at arm's length for too long, or I've been too bad. Look, 2 Corinthians 5.19, if Jesus Christ could reconcile the world, and you're a part of that world, then he can reconcile you. Yeah. Believe it, please. Yes. If you wonder about that, look at some of the Bible characters. Uh, And this, Alex, we've used this in our kind of apologetic of knowing the truth that the Bible is accurate in the Word of God. Look at, quote, the heroes besides Jesus Christ. Let me see. The Apostle Paul, he was seeing to the death of Christians before he was reconciled to God. Peter 
would be a rough, gruff fisherman, and even after he is reconciled, he had to be, quote, and I'm using this term generally, re- reconcile, because, uh, man, he, he just said uh, he failed. He cursed God and walked away and, and so forth. Look at the Old Testament. Let me see David. Uh, he, he, he had an affair outside of the marriage with Bathsheba, and then look what he did with Uriah. Let me see, Moses, he was a guy that was uh, had the Egyptians. He was, he was being hunted down. He had to get out of town. Let me see, Abraham. <laughs> Abraham, uh, he was fearful. And uh, let me say, I'm saying this mildly. He would stretch the truth a little bit about his wife, Sarah, being a sister rather than his oh, yeah. wife. So, right. Alex, we're talking about five, possibly, the five greatest three from the old, two from the new. And look, they had severe, severe quality quality falls. They had a severe background in so many ways, and God reconciled them to himself, didn't he not? Oh, my goodness. Uh, And You've, you and I have talked through this many times, but I think about Joseph and his brothers, and then Joseph and Jacob reunited and reconciled after approximately 22 years apart. You know, And Joseph uh, didn't just clobber his brothers or show retribution. He goes in there and wept, and he said, I'm Joseph. And then his father, who had believed Joseph was dead for all those years, they got reconciled. It, it's so beautiful, and it's, like I say, I think it's a part of our, you know, emotional spectrum, part of the human psyche, because reality itself, history, is a reconciliation story. So life's four essential reconciliations, number one, you've got to be reconciled to God, and if you've not done that today, oh my goodness, the Lord is standing ready with arms open to forgive you, receive you, restore you, turn to God. But secondly, Bert, and I think this is vital, you must be reconciled with others. And maybe somebody even listening right now, look, there's there's a sibling or brother or sister you need to reach out to, and, and don't go with an agenda other than just to say, you know, I love you, I'm thankful you're my sister or brother. Or maybe a, 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 a long-lost friend, it's time to call up on the phone, or, you know, there's so many things. Even spouses living under the same roof, but there's an icy, you know, barrier between you. Look, life's just too short. Life is too short. Humbly, uh, forthrightly, do whatever it takes to be reconciled as much as possible with with others. And Alex, uh, pastoring, as long as I did— uh, you know. Oh, and I, I admire you so much. But how long were you at West I, Jackson? Well, I was at West Jackson Street One Church thirty years altogether. Two years as a youth minister, then twenty eight years as senior pastor, and uh, but forty years altogether pastoring. And now I'm in the fiftieth year that I've been preaching. I've been what preaching for fifty years now. That just blew me away. I didn't know that till I got to God bless you. when twenty twenty three moved around. I said, "Oh man, fifty years of preaching." So I have seen story after story of reconciliation. But let me say this, and they always are beautiful. I have also seen those that refuse to be reconciled. 
those that refuse to be reconciled when there could be as much as possible. Sometimes it cannot be a complete restoration. It may not be the restoration of a marriage. It may not completely be the restoration with a parent that deserted you and was gone out of your life completely, but there can be reconciliation and brought to the place of of caring for one another and knowing for one another. Let me just tell you, as a pastor for 40 years, as a gospel preacher for over uh, for 50 years, let me say you want to be reconciled with others. In place of holding that grudge, that anger, it is like an acid that destroys the container, the biz, you know, that's what acid does. And it's drinking uh, poison, thinking somebody else will die. And so, Alex, mm. the reconciliation to others, can I say it? It's more for the individual that, that's uh, been hurt and angry than it is for anyone else. I know for me, uh, when I've had some issues with some individuals, listen, until I, I get it right with God and then as best I can get it right with those, uh, I, you know, it, it's a burden on me. But when it's released, it's, it's freedom. So this reconciliation with others brings a freedom that is that is honorable. Let me say it that way. Yeah, and listen, you can tell yourself, look, this doesn't matter, or I'm okay with this, but um, it's just the way we're made up. I mean, our mind and our emotions overlap, and very often what we're thinking and what we're feeling impacts our, our very health, you know? Um, Proverbs eleven seventeen, and you and I have been teaching through Proverbs uh, on the live edition of our show. But uh, one of the modern translations of Proverbs eleven seventeen says, "Your soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel." Mm. Isn't that something? And so reconciliation is a kindness that will benefit others. But to be reconciled uh, with others, that'll benefit you. The, the reconciler. But now I want to give a third. Let me, let me say one more thing yeah. before we move on. Yeah. Some of the times, and I've done this, pastoring as many times, long as I have, I've run into a lot, a lot of situations that need reconciliations. A lot of them was grief over not being reconciled to someone that has died. Those oh, yeah. are difficult and hard, but I want to tell you, and I've heard different ones say this, Dr. Charles Stanley, others that if you have to do that, get a get a, a chair, put a picture of that individual in front of them if you need that visualization, and share with them with your heart all that you need to say. At least you may not can receive anything from them, but you can get it out of you. Half of reconciliation is getting that anger, the bitterness out of you, Alex, and you can still do that with those that have gone on. And it may be a spouse and you don't need, they don't need to have the connection. Both of them have married. They moved on. You don't need to have all of that because it could bring on too much anxiety. But you can get it out of you. That's as important as anything. And, you know, again, uh, life's too short. Uh, Bert, I, I want to commend you for you and Jan being in the ministry all these years and um, the fact that you ministered at one church for three decades speaks volumes about your godly character and 
your wisdom and your spirit-led leadership. And I, I, the Lord knows I'm as sincere as I can be. I respect you so much. Well, it's so grace, much. brother. Hey, I, yeah. I haven't got off of grace since I was 12 years old. I'm still living by grace, brother. Aren't we, aren't we, we all? We are. Amen. But, but you know, the, the thing about it, folks, it's just not worth it. I mean, really, the, the holding a grudge or just nursing some wounds or something like that, you pray about it and let God work in you and through you to be reconciled to others. But thirdly, I would say, Bert, we need to be, and with Jesus we can be, but we need to be reconciled to our circumstances. Because there there are some things in life, some circumstances, that we just simply have no control over. And I, I can name two. I can name at least two uh, dynamics of life that we have no control over whatsoever. Where we are born and the gender we are, you know? Um, God in his sovereignty made me a male. Uh, God in his sovereignty, despite what the world, the noisy world is saying right now, look, there are two genders, male and female, and God picked the one that you would be. Uh, Become at peace with that. Now, the other thing, God picked where we were born. Bert, I was born in, in central North Carolina. I wasn't born in London. I wasn't born in, you know, Paris. I wasn't born in Chicago. I, we uh, weren't born in Mayberry as bad as we would like to be, right? I, uh, that would have been good. Uh, uh, I wasn't born in Mayberry or Bedford Falls. But yeah. here, there there are things, and, and I know from counseling people, that your circumstances, especially when they're tough can we we let them define us um it might be a, a job loss or financial reversal or or even an illness or um family stresses or you know heaven forbid a divorce or maybe even bad decisions that we made uh we let our circumstances define us and we get on this treadmill uh, there's a tape loop playing in our head Oh man, I blew it. It'll never get right. I, I'm, I'm trapped from here. No, you're not. Don't let your circumstances define you. But the Lord Jesus, who is above your circumstances. So, uh, Psalm thirty-one fifteen says that our times are in His hands. How do we begin? And you tell me if if you think this is important to get reconciled to what our circumstance might be. Alex, it is so important. And, and it begins, if you can, if you will get reconciled with God, it will, you have an amazing power through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word to do these others with others and your circumstance. Your family of origin, there's nothing you can do about it, whether you are, are whatever. I do this all the time. I make, Jan and I talk about it when we do, count, uh, you know, conferences. We talked about you bring into your life certain issues. There's no perfect homes. Uh, all of them have issues. And and so to the degree that they were dysfunctional, uh, Alex, uh, there's going to be some dysfunction. You know why in a family? Because every human being has some dysfunction. And so, mm-hmm. but God has equipped us. That's the important word. And, and when you look at Ephesians, what God gave pastors the responsibility to do, much of that was to equip them, to equip them in the Word of God to do what? 
to be reconciled with God, with others, and your circumstances, whatever they may be. And uh, so God is, let me say this, and I'll throw it back to you. God is mindful of our circumstance. That helps us to know that. We, we can cry out to him, but he knows my frame and that we are but dust, doesn't he? He really does. He really does. And, uh, you know, let me, let me say this, because I've talked to enough people that they, they sometimes, because of the length of time they've been in, in a dark place, they feel like there's no light place they'll ever get to again. You know, oh, man, I've struggled with this or that. Or, you know, 25 years ago, X happened. And look, I, I don't minimize the pain. Oh, look, stuff happens. Uh, but, you know, it, it can make us better or it can make us bitter. That's kind of a cliche, and I'm not, that's not original with me. But I, I want to tell you about our God who is bigger than circumstances, bigger even than our disobediences. God is bigger than time. Um, could you come back after 10 years of, you know, reversal? That seems pretty big, doesn't it? Could you come back after 25 years of failure? Boy, that would that's almost humanly impossible, isn't it? How about, how about to be um, in, in a place of defeat for 1,878 years? Uh, and I'll tell you something God miraculously uh, reversed after 1,878 years. And that was the nation of Israel. Amen. You know, seriously, in Amen. A.D. 70, Rome ransacked Jerusalem, and the Jewish people were dispersed around the globe. And this was a favorite uh, criticism of skeptics. You know, how could the Bible possibly be true when it says, you know, Jerusalem and Israel in the last days? Well, there is no Israel. Well, 1948, after an 1878-year absence, Israel was reborn and God did it he can change your circumstances too don't live your life looking in the rearview mirror glance at it but look forward to what God's going to do we're going to look forward to the fourth reconciliation essential right after the break don't you go away the loss of a child through an abortion affects the emotional health of families Feelings of anger, sadness, and regret can be overwhelming, but there is hope and healing in the aftermath. Call the International Helpline at 866-482-LIFE to talk with someone who has been where you are and healed to help others. Your call is confidential. 866-482-LIFE. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at afa.net. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. The fastest growing crime in America and across the world is sex trafficking. We're talking about millions of lives, even children. 
Did you know that the average age of a child who's trafficked in America is 12 years old? Well, Eight Days of Hope is decided to be a part of the solution. Do you know it's amazing to think that there's 13,000 animal shelters in our country, and that's a good thing, but there's less than 1,000 safe places for people who've been rescued from sex trafficking to go to get the help they need. I know it's not a fun subject to talk about, but God has called the church to take its blinders off and help end this human tragedy. This year, Eight Days of Hope is partnering with Safe Harbor, a ministry in Ohio. We'll be building a $6.5 million campus over the next six months. When completed, this campus will be the largest facility in the Northeast to be able to provide the emotional, physical, and spiritual help these children need. For more information how you can get involved, email us at safehouse at 8daysofhope.com or go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. It's not by chance that Jesus refers to his church as the body. Just as it is with our physical bodies, every member has a distinct role and function to fulfill. Unfortunately, in this era of celebrity Christianity, we've reduced the concept of ministry solely to what occurs and what is often little more than Sunday productions and performances. The key to thriving in God's kingdom is understanding that every member in the body of Christ is vital and is called to ministry. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. Back to the Bible study, you're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, and this is a pre-recorded program. Normally, we take phone calls at this time, but let me, if you have questions, you can go to word at AFR.net and ask your question, and then Alex and I will usually look at those, and if we can, use them for a radio program when we do pre-recorded programs, and sometimes we answer a few live right before we get to the phone calls on each Friday. So if you have questions, go to word at AFR.net. Make that question as as precise as you can. When they're long documents, I'll just be frank, it's hard to keep up with all of them, but those short questions, it really helps a lot, and we would love it. Well, Alex, we're looking at life's four essential reconciliations. The basis of this is Paul's letter, the second letter Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, verses 14 through 21, about reconciliation. And you've given us three, be reconciled to God, reconciled with others, and then thirdly, reconciled with our circumstances. If my math is right, we're lacking one. What is it? (laughs) Well, number four, and this is, I believe, one of life's essential reconciliations, Bert, we need to be reconciled within ourselves. You know, we need to become uh, at peace with ourselves. Psychologists define um, uh, turmoil, and psychologists talk about the fact that people are stressed. Inner turmoil is, quote, a state of commotion, confusion, agitation, or disquiet 
within. And you know, Bert, that's why, look, people, um, they, they get depressed, they abuse, you know, there can be just um, lethargy, they don't have energy, they maybe abuse alcohol or substances or even get into bad habits and these things that are, you know, whether it be um, emotional, you know, or anger or depression or overeating or, or you know, things like this, uh, we are not reconciled within ourselves. And I would submit that the ultimate one to give us peace with ourself is Jesus. Because, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And, Bert, it just might be right now that somebody listening, look, um, it's not a neighbor or a relative or a circumstance. You need to come to peace with yourself, and and God wants to help you do that. And, Bert, um, I think volumes could be said about what Paul, when Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I mean, Paul could have been arrogant, and he's, oh, I wrote more than half of the New Testament. You know, I'm, uh, I mean, certainly Paul had to know that within the early church, he would be remembered as, as a mighty, mighty leader. And yet, he wasn't arrogant. Or Paul could have beaten himself up. Oh my goodness, I persecuted the church. I was responsible for the, the martyrdom of Stephen. No, he didn't vaunt himself up pridefully. He didn't beat himself down. Uh, he said, you know, I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul was at peace with who he was. Bert, today, can everybody listening be at peace with who they are through Jesus? They can, and it starts with that relationship we've stated again and again and again. You, I've met folks that felt good about themselves and they should not have because they were living a lie. So let me say, every one of these that you've mentioned, and, I, and this sounds like uh, Alex McFarlane uh, saying this, Every one of these is based on truth. <laughs> that is true. It is. If it's not based on truth, it will not work. If it's based on a lie. I know some folks that, oh, I feel good about myself. I feel good. But when they start looking at what they feel good about themselves and they start looking at why it's based upon lie and not truth. But let me say two things real quick and I'll throw it back to you. You're just talking about being reconciled with ourselves. Can I tell you why? Where, mm-hmm. Wherever I go, there I am. Amen. You know, I, Amen. Can't, I can't get away from myself. I want to tell you, Noah tried to run from God. <laughs> you know what? It got him thrown into the sea. Uh, you know, you can blame others. Elijah tried to run away and get away and get away from the wicked queen Jezebel and, uh, you know, everything like that. Run away from others. You can run away from your circumstances and try to hide from them and uh, try to try to bury them, uh, try to hide them at the bottom of a bottle. You can do that. But I tell you, wherever you go, there you are. And, yeah. and that's, the, <laughs> wow. that, that's the most important thing. I would say this. If you're not reconciled with God and you will not be reconciled with yourself— I want to tell you, you will all. There will always be an edge with you with others, and there will always be anger towards circumstances that come your way. 
But if you can be reconciled with God and then receive that reconciliation with your own spirit, I'm telling you what, it puts you on a road that leads to peace in your life. You was talking about the Apostle Paul. I love that guy. Uh, Who doesn't? I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. But he started out the least of the apostles in his writing. And he finished up the chief of sinners. What? Mm. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't have a balanced view of who he was. He really did. But the more you understand grace, it, it leads you to understand that what I guess it was John Newton said, these things I know, I am a great sinner, but God is a great God of grace. Amen. Alex, Amen. that is so true. And, uh, you're, those who are listening today, you need to be reconciled with God, and you need to get right with yourself in that way. And so, Alex, keep on going. How to, tell us more about being reconciled with ourselves. Well, uh, listen, if you've trusted Jesus and you're saved, when you get to heaven, you're going to realize you had nothing to worry about and nothing to stress about. I really believe that. But i, I got to tell you a story about reconciliation, and we're going to conclude. Bert, as as you know, about, oh, goodness, 17 years ago, I was president of a small seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that was a great honor. And, I mean, I it was kind of a process how God led me. They reached out to me, and I turned them down three times and uh, went to this seminary, and my first job was to raise $5 million and build a new building, right? <laughs> uh, and I was didn't know all the story of their first building. But I got there, and I thought, well, let me find out who gave money to the first building, and there might be somebody we could go to and tell them about the new building. And, you know, looking back, I, it's I'm amazed that the Lord had me in this situation. Well— I quickly learned, really within my first month on the job, that the the building of the first building 10 years prior had resulted in three lawsuits. And there was a man from Florida, and I don't mind telling this because all these people are in heaven now, but a man from Florida had given a million dollars to the first building. And somehow or another, before that building was completed, he had a falling out with the, the dean and the president And so he asked for his money back, and they said no, so he sued them. Now, folks, you know Christians are not supposed to sue each other. Well, the dean and the president got mad, and they not only countersued this donor, but they ended up suing each other. So I walk into this, and I'm supposed to— That's called a hornet's nest, Alex, by the way. And these three (laughs) men had not spoken to each other in nearly a decade. So I called up each one individually, and they were, I'll never, that so-and-so, I sued him. He better hope he never runs into me again. I mean, that was what it was, right? So I began to pray about it, and I just felt like we couldn't have the blessing of God if, if these three key players in this seminary had all walked away mad and never spoken to each other again and lawsuits flying. And uh, anyway... Uh, Mark 9.26, by the way, says some things are only accomplished with fasting and prayer. And so I fasted and I prayed about this. 
And um, I asked the three individually, you know, would they ever consider getting reconciled? No, I'm done with that. And even the Florida man who had given a million dollars, he said, you know, worst decision I ever made. I wish I could get that money back. And he said, frankly, I'd almost forgotten it. And kid, you know, thanks a lot for calling. And I didn't know these people, you know. So I said, well, you ought to at least come see what your donation accomplished because there's 250 young people getting an education. And he did remark that he was supposed to fly through Charlotte and change planes. And he also remarked that he had cancer and didn't have all that long to live. Well, I had a banquet I had planned, and I, unbeknownst to the other two, one by one by one, I invited all three men to this banquet. Now, they had not spoken since they were in an attorney's office suing each other nearly a decade prior. And I want to tell you, I prayed and I prayed. And there's 150 people in a fellowship hall going to have a fundraising banquet. And one by one, I get these three men in the green room, and their eyes are blazing looking (laughs) at each other. And then their eyes are blazing, glaring at me. (laughs) And I thought, Lord Jesus, please make this work. Suddenly, cheerfully, one by one, they embraced, and they said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. This was not right. Please forgive me. These three men tearfully fell to their knees in prayer. And in my heart, you believe me, I was like, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. We go out there, and we have a banquet, and I, I... said, folks, God is at work. You have no idea. Well, the man from Florida handed me a check for a million dollars, and I'd never help. He said, here you go, son, and there'll be one more million coming within 30 days. Wow. Uh, my point is this, folks. Uh, reconciliation happened, and there was not a dry eye in the place. And shortly thereafter, one by one, those guys passed away, but they had peace. Now, I will tell you, there was spiritual warfare, and Angie and I fasted and prayed. But I want to tell you, folks, now listen to this as we close. Um, I said four areas, there's really five. And a fifth area of reconciliation, you must be reconciled to your assignment as a follower of Jesus. Because verse 20 says we're ambassadors for Christ, and Christ has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 8. See, we have an assignment to, to help lost sinners find the Savior, to help people come back together. And we have got not only the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, we have the word of reconciliation. We have got, if you're a Christian, we've got the one and only message that will do anybody any good, and mm-hmm. that is the good news of Jesus. It is, and you're just talking about our purpose is to glorify God and share the gospel, the two big G's in my life. You got that? They really are. God is to be glorified, and the gospel is to be lived out and shared. That's what this whole passage is about. When when Paul said it, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God is—if you've been reconciled with God— he has let and permitted you to be involved in the greatest work in all the world. That is, I, and, and we're not talking about just preachers. We're not talking about just evangelists, radio 
people. No, we're talking about every Christian that's been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the ministry of reconciliation, and that is the greatest work in all the world as you glorify God and you share the gospel. Now, I want to share this, Alex. They go together. Now, let me put this together, and I'll throw it back to you for you to wrap up. But when we reconcile ourselves to God with others, with our circumstances and ourselves, he has given us assignment, and it works best when we have all those checked. I'm reconciled with others as best I can. Lord, you've put me where I am in my circumstances. I not only just accept them, I receive them. Father, they're part of my life, and I am living my life because you have given me I am who I am. Lord, let me glorify you and let others see Jesus in me that the gospel will go forth. Alex, that's a great assignment, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think God is pleased when we allow ourselves to be his ministers, his messengers. I I think it's very significant. I want to encourage people to reflect on this, if you would. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the assignment, go out into all the world and tell people how to come to salvation. But he's also given us the word, not only what to do, but how to do it. Amen. That That's uh, an assignment and the tools with which to see it accomplished. He has given us everything we need in this present world for life and godliness, and that godliness is to be the righteousness of Christ, which is bestowed upon us and to be lived out in and through us. So today, if you're not reconciled with God, normally we take phone calls, but I want to give you a phone number that you can call, and they'll help you. It's 1-800-NEED-HIM. 1-800-NEED-HIM. There are people there who are ready. They want to talk with you. They want to pray with you. They want to help you in any way to be reconciled with God. And when you're reconciled with God, I want to tell you, you'll be ready for others, circumstance, yourself, and your assignment. Carry out your assignment for God's glory. Isn't that right, Alex? You know, after hearing this show today, maybe, listener, there's a phone call you need to make. Maybe some some Christian love you need to extend, and uh, maybe some reconciliation that God wants to bless you with. So step up and do what God might be prompting you to do right now. Well, this has been Exploring the Word. Thanks for listening. God bless you. On behalf of Bert, Alex, and AFR, we love you, but more importantly, God loves you. Tell somebody about this show if you would. Most importantly, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association 